Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Hemming and Hawing, coming to you uh, on a dreary Sunday afternoon. My name is Brett, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Sean. How are you doing today, Sean? I'm doing well, as typical. I'm very excited to be Love seeing you Love the proper grammar. Oh, yeah. I, a real stickler with my words. As as the as the listeners are well aware, <laughs> there's one man who is cautious with word choice. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm excited that you're. I'm excited that you're making the trek out west one day or soon. Uh, this third, third Friday morning, Friday morning. If you're if for for all the raving fans, I'm sh- I don't even know if this will come out in time, but Sean will be in an airport somewhere Friday morning. So yeah, I'll probably have to you know bring your gifts. Late. So no Bring one, your tithings, you know, yes, all of the things that uh, I that we expect as uh, your current overlords, your thought overlords, bring <laughs> them, and perhaps you will receive uh, Sean's blessings. <laughs> perhaps, but it usually <laughs> takes a lot. I have very high standards. Yeah, it's understandable. It's understandable. Some, so yeah, areas, so don't cheap anyway. out. Don't cheap out. Yeah, right. That's what I'm trying to say. Don't don't yeah. skimp on the present. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The tithings. I mean, I think the church says ten percent, so we'll do twenty five. Twenty five is the base. Yeah, that's a good strategy. Just escalate. Hmm. <laughs> All right. And so Sean and I. Well, Sean sent me about a seventeen paragraph text on things we could talk about this time. Um, he wants to talk about how racism in the penal system is funny. Um, <laughs> and I, <laughs> something about Patreon to journalism and substacks and things of that nature. I can tell you right uh, thoroughly. Well, this is, this is the framing, Sean. Uh, it's, it's wonderful being able to control the narrative, at least for a small amount of time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you could basically claim I said or did anything. Oh, exactly. Yeah, it doesn't matter. There's, there's no, there will be no proof shown. Uh, uh, and then my thoughts were, it was an interesting week, like just talking about anxiety in my life. And then yesterday I had a, a bit of a journey into the like reintroduction of wolves wormhole. Cause oh boy. I'm a weird, I'm oddly involved in that in Colorado. And and then today I was reading about like the old Indian schools, dude. That shit was so fucked up. That was crazy. Oh boy! Oh, wow. My <laughs> God, that was bad. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> no, 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 no. But so that's uh, those are at least in history, the, dude. The Indian schools were brutal. Like they were. Oh man, some of them were in operation to like the eighties. <laughs> oh, it's just. And obviously, they, I, well, at least I didn't read far enough to, I assume that they weren't still the, the atrocious places that they were in the, like, 1920s, but they obviously weren't still good. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you combine a group of people that, um, no one cares about, aka the Indians, and then, uh, a group of people known for treating children horrifically, aka the Catholics. And boy, do you have a boy! Do you have a, a very sad story? Oh no, I know. That's what I was thinking about with that uh, 
story you preface so wonderfully about how hilarious racism in the penal system is. I was just like, this is so (laughs) awful that like my response is actually to laugh. Not because it's like really funny because I just don't know what else to do. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how to process this. Yeah. My brain is not ready. What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. No, it's it's so weird. Just like, how is this? How how is this real? That within like our parents' lifetimes, so much shit has changed. Like, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. It's crazy how horrific things used to be and like the things that used to happen were. And obviously, that's not to say things are perfect today. But goddamn, everyone who, who anyone who uses the language of like the fifties and sixties for race and things prior to that in today's context is it's disgusting how wrong they are. Yeah, it does seem like we kind of need a new word because it's we very need, different. Well, we need a whole another like language to discuss. <laughs> like, I, I, we need a whole. We, everyone needs about a billion more hours of history. In their lives. Yeah. I had some thoughts about that, about how we all learn history in, like, the stupidest ways because we just get no context. Like, none of it matters to us. It just gets presented to us in some course that, you know, no, everyone's just like, what the fuck? I don't care. Like, this isn't, like, you know, resounding in my soul. It feels like forever ago. Like, like, like 1875. That was so long ago. It wasn't. Yeah, but then it's like, you know, this is 150 years ago. That's not that long. (laughs) But this is like the perfect opportunity. It's like in the context of learning like, you know, about race or about economics, even as I was doing, like, this is the perfect time to get a history lesson because then it actually matters and makes sense to you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, it's, it's, it's fascinating though. Once you, if you dive into a topic and you really get going about like atrocities from back in the day, like, I don't know. I don't understand how anyone can like i don't know how anyone feels reasonable invoking the language that they do or maybe they maybe they just don't know maybe they just don't know definitely i mean i'm crazy ignorant of history no i feel the same way i mean there's so much of it to be first (laughs) it's it's almost impossible to get a true handle on it and if we're just talking about every atrocity my god you can spend a lifetime you still wouldn't have five percent of the knowledge I know it's the classic case of like the PhD in history specializes on like a six month time frame in this super specific area of the country. Like there was a woman, I, this woman was fantastic. She was a TA of mine in in one of the history classes I took in college. And she was literally specializing in like the LGBTQ community for Jews from the thirties to forties. Right. And it's like, like you have I to do that. Dead serious. That's what this was. Uh huh. Because you could literally write a dissertation on that and every other thing that granular. Hmm. So it's impossible to. It's an impossible expectation. And I don't know. I think I don't understand how people don't find it interesting. Like I don't understand how people don't find at least some aspects in history just fascinating. Because it is. It definitely is. <laughs> It's like such a base interest to me, but whatever. Like, like okay, the when the world's oldest woman died, she was 116, or the oldest American. I don't, I don't really know. But regardless, she was 116 years old, and she was an American. And like, she was like 30 
during during World War II. <laughs> she was born in like 19 – yeah, she was 40. She was born in 1905. She was 40 at the Holy end of World cow. War II. <laughs> like, this woman saw some shit. I, I bet the world would just be completely different. There's no way she could remember accurately back to her childhood because it's just like oh. you might as well be on a different planet. How could you ever remember something like she's she's literally talking that was seventy years ago and she was still forty years old? <laughs> yeah, like that is it's the the scale is incomprehensible. Like her husband died in the sixties and she went to live another sixty years. Oh my goodness, could have gone through a whole another full marriage cycle. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, she was married for forty years and then lived another sixty. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense, but it was, it was just, it's just hilarious. Like considering her lifeline, like, like what her life experience and the things that she'd seen, it's incredible. Mm. Like this woman had seen such amazing things, like, and like had been a very real person during those things. Right. Like if you're 35 to 40, if you're 35 to 40 during World War II, you understood exactly what was happening. Mm. Like you lived fully through the Great Depression into World War II. Like you saw the the golden age, the golden era of the fifties, and then you saw uh, she was a black woman, so she saw like every single thing, every single part of the civil rights movement. You know, mm-hmm. JFK gets shot, like landing on the moon, like like she saw all this shit, like in a very real way. So it just it, that was just it's it was very cool to go through the timeline of her life and be like, holy crap. Wow, this woman basically saw sliced bread get invented. For sure. I mean, that might be us. And like, who knows? Pretty soon, people are definitely going to be living significantly longer. If I'm not, like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't need it. I'm not interested. Talk I'm, to me I'm actually really good on it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I'll probably say I got like 25 good ones left. Well, and then yeah, it's, then we'll it's over. <laughs> 85 would be such a full life. I'd be I'd be more than happy. Yeah, definitely would be until everyone else starts living to like 150. Why would I want to live like that long? Anymore. Why I, do I want to live that long? You might not want to be. You might not want to, but someone <laughs> born today might. Well, okay, then that per, then that kid's an idiot. I like I the the, I the body one. Yes, it is because one the advancements you'd have to have like just to maintain your healthy body. Like your cells aren't designed to to last like that. Your DNA is not designed to last like that. No, it's definitely not. But I so what? So I put what a hundred percent chance. Anymore? I put a hundred percent chance on us figuring that out within the next fifty years. No, I don't have a problem with that either. But like, at what point are you no longer a human having the human experience the way the human experience uh, is meant to be had, meant. like naturally? Ooh, there, like, yeah, there is a, a there is a meant to be had <laughs> sean there is the, the body was designed to be in such a way that we human experience will 30. not be the same as my human experience that's yeah, not that's no true. but it's not that your body couldn't last longer the, their bodies certainly could last to 80 90 100 it's just the life sucked because diphtheria was an issue <laughs> Just we just because we've solved most things that uh, cap our life at a point when our bodies have fifty more years, 
doesn't mean that extending our uh, trying to extend our life to 50 is the same concept. Oh, or to 50 concept. more years is the same. Definitely That's what happen, I'm saying. Though. So I think it's a very different conversation. And I'm not saying it's not going to happen, I, but it's just not for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more than happy to be, I mean, put me down at a certain point in time. I think that's a choice you can make. I don't, and I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know. But I just think that once, once your quality of life dips to a certain point, like once I can't, like, I don't know, if I can't remember my grandkids' names, take me out back. Yeah, the memory part's tough. Yeah. That's, that one, you, you don't want to just completely lose connection with who's who and who you are. Well, who you and are. All that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. That's not a good one. No. So at that point, if that happens to me, this is, I, I don't know if this counts as verbal consent, but please, someone kill me. Like, this is, this can't be, this can't be a life that I want to live. Definitely Once not. I have no idea who all the people that make my life worth living are. No. Yeah. So, Yes. And yes, and sure, you can put my put my body in a cyborg, and we'll call it cool. <laughs> Never put my brain in a cyborg. No, I don't want it. I don't want it. That's yeah, very nice. As I said, I I wonder. I think you know, that's probably that's probably mostly the opinion of most people. I mean, it's it's just hard to it's hard to predict how we'll feel with that technology feeling so foreign. But I think once it's actually here and people start seeing it people's perspectives will shift a lot that's fine i mean the only i mean i think advancements in prosthetics are dope and like that's all that's all well good that's fantastic but again as far as i'm concerned i was only here i'm only put here for so long so i'll take advantage of the time i've got hopefully uh and i'll enjoy the time i had (laughs) but i don't need any more i don't need synthetic time given to me (laughs) Well, it's I'll like I mean, you watched you. uh yeah you watched uh what's that show what's that fucking show on netflix with stacks and carbon uh altered carbon oh Did you watch I that watched like one or two episodes of it, it but... i mean that's like the, it's kind of the same concept the idea that your self can be stored in mm-hmm. like this memory stack and then transferred from skin to skin Sleeve to sleeve, as they call it. Pretty cool concept. It's it's cool to at least think about it, throw the ideas around, see how you feel, and I guess in your case, realize that uh, the plug will will be pulled somewhere around 85. And I I would likely be asking for it. So, (laughs) we're good. Yeah, I don't know. I don't don't think I would want to. uh, I don't need to live too much longer. And I think there's only... Only so much I'm ready to handle in life, you know? I don't need to see flying cities and shit like that and mass <laughs> authoritarian governments. Ugh, no. I'm good. Kill me before all that happens. Yeah. All which right. might be the next like twenty years, so fuck me. <laughs> but I don't know. You you probably get a little more than that, but I don't know. The mass authoritarian we'll, we'll government see. thing was where I was more. Yeah. <laughs> maybe fifty. Maybe a hundred. That's the thing that's like so. I hope I die before I see it. It's just. I hope I die before I see it. When technology starts advancing exponentially, 
then it's just which is is it's just like we just don't know what the timeline's going to be just no, no none of it makes any sense yeah, yeah none of it none of it's none of it is determined well at all like i mean we could have flying cars in 10 years we could have flying cars in 100 years you know like it's just who fucking knows but i don't know i'm yeah i i, I don't think i personally am designed to uh accept the mass change on like a freedom level or just like like yeah i mean i've already seen enough where i don't like the trends that we're seeing that and i've always said i was born in the 50s so maybe i already am 80 years old <laughs> maybe you're or just 70 at least you're you're totally convinced that we're headed towards the full authoritarian route uh, probably <laughs> <laughs> i don't know probably i don't know man I'm, I'm crotchety that's for sure but well you're gonna have to teach some new values to your kids then i suppose let no them shit, thrive well. in the new regime yeah they're gonna thrive inside the in the mountain home that i've made yeah. <laughs> my commune Old shotguns yeah <laughs> yeah i guess I'll, i'm gonna teach them traditional values <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i don't know but I'm certainly going to, I don't know. I would, I would like to imagine I will teach my kids to be competitive and, and to eat all these nerds, but yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All the nerds living in virtual reality 24 seven. And that have all these, Oh, my feelings are hurt. I feel this way about this and it needs to be validated. Go fuck yourself. Figure it out. That's what I'm going to teach my kids. <laughs> It'll give them a nice competitive advantage. Might give them tra trauma <laughs> when they try to parent themselves, but it'll give them a nice competitive advantage. But trauma, that's so, oh man, <laughs> this is, everyone's so fucking soft these I'm days. I'm just teasing you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's weird because, like, there's a, it seems to be a fine edge for me. Like, because this, this is kind of going to tie into, like, anxiety thoughts and, my own experiences and under trying to listen and understand experiences around me, but like it's such a like in the last like our parents' generation, from their parents to us, there's been massive shifts in like how to rear children and how to engage with feelings, you know, and emotions mm -hmm. and things of that nature. And I absolutely think a lot of it is generally positive. <laughs> like saying I love you to your kids more is a good thing. Like being more willing to express your emotions is a good thing. But boy, have we swung the pendulum a little too far. Oh, for sure. Like so much of this shit, it just gets in the way so unnecessarily. And it, and it doesn't teach people to be self-reliant and to, I don't know, at a certain point in time, you just got to suck it up. Definitely. Yeah, you need a like, lot of different tools for different it. situations. And honestly, I think the tool for most situations is generally like, you know, I'm just going to wear this one for a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to try and figure it out on my own I'll be, and I'll be okay. And like, I think, I think that's probably a, a, a thing that I will tell my kids a lot. Like, you'll be okay. Yeah. No, it sucks sure. now, but you'll be okay. And I think... Like, it's not fun, but you'll yeah. be okay. Yeah. And the thing is, like, actually showing them that they will be okay. That's definitely one of the things we made progress on. Not just, like, you know, leaving them out. Just like, well, go try it out. You're probably going to get fucked over. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I, at a certain a point in time, you got to let the kid touch the stove. For touch sure. the stove, kid. 
See what happens. Yeah. It's hot. <laughs> You're going to figure it out. You don't want to listen. It's hot. <laughs> You'll love to hear that Haley was actually saying this exact same thing last night, that she thinks we could all use a little more self-reliance and some confidence in there you go. feeling like, yeah, we can we can get it done, even if it seems hard. I'm that interests me. That very much interests me. I'd be very I'm intrigued by our approaches because I feel that our approaches would be quite different. <laughs> <laughs> uh, something something has uh something has me feeling that our approaches would be or at least our, our lines are probably a little different. Probably. And I think the approach thing is tricky. I mean it's it's actually like kind of a hard thing to teach. Like I mean, I guess from your approach maybe the stereotype is like you know, you're a little too harsh on the kid, like the older style where the kid, you know, kind of gets a little more hurt than they need to in the process and learns the lessons, but also carries a little bit of that baggage where on the other side, like they get overly coddled and they don't learn the lesson all the way of, you know, being able to get the shit done on their own. But and, they feel good, Sean. And like, you're always like overly concerned that, yeah, about the kid's feelings and whether or not they're having a positive experience. No, fuck that kid's feelings and their positive experience. <laughs> They'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I'd quite be like my grandpa was. Yeah, well, uh, I think that's pretty safe. But that. yeah, I don't think I'll quite be like that. And I probably won't even be quite to the extent that my parents are. But I would certainly like to be more like my parents than less. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like the perfect adjustment. Like, right. <laughs> you take what you liked from your parents and then you just a little bit like not over adjust it but like you know bump it in the right direction and then if i do over adjust then i'm automatically overcorrecting the other way again to where i'm just beating <laughs> my kid well wow but we'll see <laughs> I, I think uh a hands-off approach would probably probably be the best but you know hey you gotta have some of those last resorts. In I have, there. I have, I have no problem with spanking kids. I was spanked occasionally, and I'm fine. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> some things. Some just, some things require punishment. <laughs> that's just an interesting statement on results. So <laughs> my sample size of one. We tried this thing; it worked. There's no way if I tried it on a hundred kids, twenty of them would oh have a bad God, experience. Oh my God! Everyone in my town was spanked, and we all turned out all right. Oh boy. <laughs> It's just, it's just like, like what? Okay, what, what is the, what is the truly negative thing of that? What did I fear my parents? Yeah, respectfully. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I think there's probably a pretty well established literature on it. I guess it leans towards don't spank your kids. There's plenty of other better ways to ha- send the same message as effectively. What's it, Sean? How else are you going to cross? How else are you going to send the message of you may be physically harmed if you don't straighten up? <laughs> How are you going to send that message across, Sean? Fearing for your physical, physical harm is being <laughs> pretty detrimental to a kid's development. In what way? How was I? How was I harmed from that, Sean? Tell me how I'm uh, broken. No, I don't think you're overly harmed because I think your parents showed you safety and love in other ways. <laughs> yeah, and enough. I would like to do the same. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. It's such a it's such a fucked up situation. Parenting, parenting is the scariest thing in the world. The concept terrifies me. It's amazing that like capitalism has caused us to basically offload every you know task from like cooking food to 
doing this and that. But like, we all just get to go in there with no experience and just try parenting. No and, experience. Like, like no, no. Freaking try it out. Yeah. Here you go. Like, it, like don't the most valuable out. thing you can do. <laughs> yeah. Nobody the most, val- the most significant way you can impact society for most people. Like, let me the, go to the, the bookstore. And 99.9% recent... of us. Yeah, yeah. This is the most significant way we will have an impact on society. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no manual. There are, like, manuals, but there's not. No, that's like, what I'm saying. It's there's... Like, you just, there's, like, a bunch of, you know, popular books being written every year that are trying to make a shit ton of money because there's an industry around parenting. And you just go pull yeah. one off the shelf and read it and, like, 10% of it's good. And, and just, it's all cyclical, just like like health information. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's all cyclical. Like, oh well, egg whites are bad this time. Nope, it's egg yolks now. And like, just wait twenty, thirty years. Then butter's bad. Now margarine's worse for you. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> and uh, these berries are superfoods. Oh yeah, just and it's, it's literally just they like, oh, well, what do we, what do we yeah. need to push and how? Like ethanol's the way <laughs> of the future. Like corn growers, yay. No, it's not. Okay, well, it's all <laughs> like the whole thing is a game. Oh, it's a hilarious game. Yeah. And and how are you supposed to navigate this as a thoughtful person who's trying to just raise a decent kid? <laughs> like, like, that's all I want. I don't really care if my kid is overly successful. Just, like, don't be Hitler and, like, be an okay member of society. And be tough. And never cry And Yeah. Him. And don't be a fucking pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Man, the standards... <laughs> yeah that's that's it kid that's it don't be a pussy and don't be hitler there you go <laughs> if you're not those things you know what I'll, I'll probably still call you my son at the end of the day well and you might squeeze and i love you if you get me drunk enough <laughs> yeah no shit and between the drunk beating i might say i love you <laughs> <laughs> Well, oh, man. so I was like, it's grounds for a preemptive arrest. <laughs> oh, now I'm committing thought crime, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. We're going to have to castrate you. I feel like I, if, if, if not a preemptive arrest, definitely uh, regular visits from some child care agency yeah. <laughs> upon my, my first child being pregnant. <laughs> You don't need to go. Your kids don't have to go through regular inspection <laughs> to ensure physical exactly. safety. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm just beating it with like a, a pillowcase filled with oranges so it doesn't leave marks. Oh, God. Well, this is thoroughly horrible and things that actually used to happen frequently. <laughs> but here we are joking about it because it seems so hey, ridiculous to uh, us. Hey, rule of thumb, Sean. Rule of thumb. As long as that switch isn't wider than my thumb, you can beat your kid with it. Yeah. (laughs) I think that actually started with slaves. I don't know. There's some some Bible quote about if a man beats his slave and he lives for three days. uh, (laughs) If a man beats his slave and he lives for three three days after the beating, uh, there will be no penalty for he is his property. But if he dies within three days of the beating, then we've got a problem. That's such a great test. Just like the... Just no, no, so no, 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 fucked. No. It's only just been like, 48 hours. Yeah. Can't die on me yet. Don't you fucking die on me, Slade. Yeah, and your punishment's like, you know... 
They're like, here's a small tithe. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you yeah, need to pay it to the rabbi. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well. Yeah, no. It, that's... Again, all the things that people need to be more aware of. <laughs> like, like, these are kind of things that happen. Can you imagine that these, yeah, humans like 2,000 years ago were just barbarians? And I'm sure the same will be true of us 2,000 years from now. Just like. In what way? I guess, like, I guess perhaps with like bombs and stuff. Like, I guess we can look at like the Israeli, like, Palestinian conflict. Sure. Like, how, you know, why do people still think killing each other is going to do anything positive? Well, it has in the past, Sean. Uh, yeah, well, I don't know. Right, it's it's always hard to say. Man, from the from the river be. to the sea, Palestine shall be free, as they say. <laughs> that's definitely that's definitely an okay thing to chant. Yeah, it do- well, definitely doesn't stance. mean definitely doesn't mean extinction of Jews from Israel. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure not what they mean break. by that. Yeah. That's for sure not what they mean by from the river to the sea. <laughs> God, everyone's wow. such an asshole. I hate people. Oh I God. hate talking about Israel and Palestine so much because everyone's an asshole about it. Oh, I just, yeah, I I just consciously don't care because I'm just like, it's amazing that you guys have such a good marketing team over there that you monopolize world politics with your tiny ass fucking countries no one gives a shit about. Like, yeah. come on. Yeah, it's insane. And like, I'm, <laughs> it's a thing my cousin and I have talked about before. And I think we have too. Like, I don't understand how the Jews ended up just, like, everyone hates them. Oh, my gosh, we did, yeah. We spent, I think, a while yeah. going on and about how, like, a few million people is just, <laughs> like, so funny. the most infamous so group. Up. But, yeah, so that that blows my mind. So, one, I don't, like, Jews are just a popular thing to discuss, which is crazy. And obviously, like, yeah, they've, the, the Chosen have a way of, uh, finding themselves in like significant positions and whether it's like media or power or whatever but yeah my goodness it's it's interesting but i don't know i just that the talk about it talk about something that's interesting sean you want to read a history history of china cool history of the middle east bonkers oh goodness bonkers crazy i'm like I'm... I've, I've spent a few wikipedia rabbit holes on it and <laughs> i have no concept of what happens there. i know that's what I was just going to say, like, me and everyone else in the West just completely ignorant about it. And yeah, it like, 10 hours of Wikipedia later, and I'm sure I'd still be just, like, completely ignorant of it. Yeah, and everyone has such a strong goddamn opinion. My goodness. In another situation, when we're talking about fucking apartheid, we're throwing the phrase apartheid around. I don't, I don't think, I don't think that's historically fair either. No, another apartheid word that... state. God, you people are assholes. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I don't know. I've I've had this thought before. Like, when do we start holding people accountable for just doing shitty things like that? Like, that would be a big cultural shift. Like, you well, just, like... no, we shouldn't be like, we shouldn't be like criminally holding people accountable. We well, should no, no, be no, no. not like torturing but just, these like... people with our words. <laughs> Absolutely like, lambasting. Them. Right. The kind of person who's just going to make just such a dishonest comparison. Like, fuck you. 
And no, a hundred percent. And that's, that is most certainly what we should be doing. And it's a thing people are so willing to do. It's just, they all do it for in the wrong, in the wrong situations. Yeah, exactly. Got to channel it. It's sometimes they do do it in the right situations, but then we just ignore usage, usages like this. It's so frustrating. to me. Anyway, what gives you anxiety, Brett? Besides the, the, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict gives me yeah. anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> One last thing, though. I don't really know that much about the whole thing. I, as I understand it, obviously both sides have done terrible things. But in one side, you can sell land to Jews and not face a death penalty for it. And you can also be gay without the prospect of being stoned or thrown off a high cliff. So that's probably the side I stand on. <laughs> <laughs> just to be just just to understand where I'm at. I'm generally pro the sell land to who you want. And if you're gay, it's OK. I don't that's know. Stoning where people I find is pretty humane. I, yeah, I don't see why I'd be upset about that. that. Like, oh yeah, and you can't drink wine, and you can't have, like consume alcohol in Gaza. Like, you can't be. Oh, they they literally just passed a thing where like single woman, single women cannot walk alone outside without permission of a man. <laughs> what a fucking like, ridiculous thing. And it's just like, and every fucking American celebrity talking, oh, free Palestine, free Palestine. Go spend a day in Gaza, please. Mm -hmm. You single, you single empowered woman, please. Uh Do your thing. Someone who has a strong opinion, like supporting one side or the other, like, you know, acting like one side is clearly, you know, better or something. Yeah. You're clearly just not thinking about this straight. Like, both of these people take a lot of joy in being total assholes just continuously. Yeah. And it done absolutely horrific things. But no, that's it's it's so it's just it's comical. It's so dumb. But yeah, so that's while I may be generally very ignorant to the whole situation, I like to find myself on the side with more freedom and not killing people for ridiculous offenses. And not even necessarily just killing them, but not having a culture where that's considered acceptable, <laughs> even just as a penalty. Well, you know, one of those two fits in pretty well in the Middle East, and the other one really freaking stands out. Yes, yeah, and again, I'm okay with standing out in those regards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, but yeah, so that's Israeli-Palestine. Have fun, kids. Take that and do what you will. Just don't be an asshole about it. Uh, but if we want to, if we want to change gears significantly to like thoughts of anxiety and things like that, like it's just, I don't know. It'd been an interesting, it'd been an interesting week, like talking with Sam, like her issues with anxiety over like her life and like where she feels she's at now and like things she's currently struggling with and like things that I've often, well, things that I've felt that I struggle with too in different ways but like like similar issues but we very much kind of cope with them in different ways mm-hmm. and we fortunately tend to experience them at different times Ooh, that's nice <laughs> it you is don't nice sync up there. no no talk about cycles you don't want sync yeah but um it was just it was just an interesting week reflecting on like experience anxiety in like today's day and age versus like my grandparents time and then also like how 
you're taught to cope with it and how you think you should cope with it and what are the most appropriate methods. <clears throat> like you could today you can take drugs, but yesteryear you could be locked in an insane asylum. Like uh <laughs> like you can you can read about it, you can try like meditation. Like it feels like there are so many options today, but it doesn't necessarily it all feels like it's such a personal experience mm -hmm. and what's going to work best for you on that level. Cause I don't think that it's not a silver bullet situation. Like there's not a cure all for anyone. It's just what is going to work the best for you. At least that's my, that's my current thoughts. Then wow. obviously like I always find myself in the, it's better to have an attitude of this too shall pass than, uh, thinking that there's something wrong with me and I need to fix it, you know, hmm. yeah, in, in some way that's not, go. yeah. And that's where, that's where I kind of got into the thoughts of like, I don't know, like there's, there's certainly something to be said for old timey, like suck it up and deal with it. Even though like that, no one, like I'm not even trying to make the claim that that's the most, the best way of like handling any situation. Cause it's not. Mm-hmm. But there's there is certainly something to be said for like, hey, this this too shall pass and we'll make it through it. But then it's the supplementing that with at least in my opinion, it's supplementing that with whatever you find to work best for you. Right. You know, to try and get through the hard times when it feels like when everything's crushing and everything's scary. Right. I don't know, because it can be really hard. I don't know how how like what kind of experience you have in these uh, in this department, but there are definitely times when it's crushing and like the stress is is just building and mounting on top of itself, and it feels like there's no escape in the moment. But mm -hmm. no, I've I've been really lucky in that <laughs> I've never felt it that extremely. I mean, obviously, I don't think anyone doesn't feel some level of anxiety about for sure basically something every day but i've been very fortunate that i don't know if it's just my psychology something something in me is like just doesn't ever go to that place really where it feels like crushing and i can't escape it but i mean it's, there's definitely like enough there that i have to use coping mechanisms from time to time you know what are, what are your preferred coping mechanisms <laughs> Usually, all I need to do is like take the time to acknowledge it and think about it a little bit and try to figure out what's stressing me out. And then, like you said, take it back to the place of this too shall pass and I can handle it. And you know what? Maybe shit's going to go bad, but it's not going to be that bad. And usually, just that kind of mindset. Make, yeah. gets me through it without like making it worse and you know usually makes it a little better and it kind of just goes away on its own usually you know like i get sure. distracted with something else and then you know it's like oh shit okay i totally forgot to be worried about that thing that happened at work yeah but yeah i don't i don't know i mean i think at least in my experience a lot of any time that i felt like insanely anxious has usually been like a, a point of instability which it just makes sense like you know mm -hmm. if if you're if you feel like your foundation is is shaking 
Like, of course, everything is going to be scared that the chandelier is going to fall. <laughs> but, like, I mean, like, senior year, like, I was I was so stressed out, dude, that, like, like, like the concept of not going to, like, med school and not being the person who I thought I was mm-hmm. and, like, a thing that I thought I was working towards for years – like that all coming down on me was like it was it was very bad like it was bad to the point where like i was like having blood pressure issues <laughs> okay uh and like i don't know i didn't really i didn't really know how to handle it at the time like i guess what i did more than anything was just like surround myself like in the in the minutia of college like like going out with everybody like playing trivia every Tuesday, like, like <laughs> routine things like that, where I could be around people that like, I felt like I was escaping for at least a little, like I was obviously not like handling the problem or approaching it in a way that like was going to solve anything, mm-hmm. but being with people and like being able to at least, cause I'm like, usually when I'm with people, like, I, I can put aside most things in my life and just like be on in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I consider myself pretty decent at like interactions and being present in conversation and enjoying time with people. And that's kind of like, that's where I'd always fall back to whenever I'm that's, that's what I like to do when I'm really freaked out with something. Like I like to be around people that can take my mind off it. I don't want to just be alone and be in one place where I'm always thinking about it, mm-hmm. because then it just then it just really really gets bad. Yeah, does it freak it, freak you out more if you try to face up to it? Depends. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, there's definitely times when I mean, my dad used to tell me like the only way to the only way to eat an elephant's one bite at a time. <laughs> like it's uh, the prospect of eating an elephant's very scary. Right. Because, like, you can't. It's too big. But when you start taking one bite at a time, like, you'll be okay. And that's yeah. where, like, that mindset or that that really helped me at the time. Like, you know, it'll be okay. It's just it's just something that's got to be done in small, small bites and doses. And working towards that, even though it feels like this looming, this looming massive thing always hanging over you. Like, it's not as scary once you take one small step towards it. Like you realize that like the rest is doable and you're getting, you're making progress here. And then I can like, it's it's like finding a foothold on a mountain. Mm-hmm. Like, like the rest I can, I can conquer as long as I can find this one step at a time. Yeah. But it's a, that can be, it's very hard to see the print pick of light in the tunnel sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right. It doesn't always start feeling better. Even as you take the first step, like a lot of times it feels just as shitty when you're, you know, a quarter <laughs> of the way through the elephant. And it still feels yeah. like there's a lot left hanging over your head. Yeah, but it's always it's always better to focus on the spoonful than the than the elephant thigh. You know, mm-hmm. the one that's right in front of your face is the is the next bite you've got to eat. So that's uh definitely something, at least a mindset that's helped me in a lot of times. It's like you know, if I that, but that only helps if you know that it's a big thing. It's not necessarily like generalized. Yeah, right. like it's just. If that's just like this task is freaking me out as opposed mm-hmm. to just like a lot of things going on in my life at once. Yeah. Yeah, or much more abstract things like, you know, a yeah. relationship or something like that. Yeah. And like, or like meeting new people or like being in a, in a large social setting that you haven't been in in a while, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that's all, I think, a scarier 
that's that's a weirder thing at least because it can be a lot harder to pin down because once you can if you can find the the center of it you can usually be all right but if you don't know exactly what's driving those thoughts it can be a lot scarier mm-hmm. do you spend a lot of time like even meditating or thinking about how your anxiety comes about and usually what's driving it and how to figure that out not really. I mean, it's just because I, I know it's not a thing that I generally think about if I'm not experiencing it, you know. Right. <laughs> it's it's That's the more interesting. It. Yeah, it's more interesting now, like, with being with Sam and, like, someone else who can be experiencing this when I'm not experiencing it. So I have more time to think about it when it's not something that I'm dealing with, mm-hmm. you know. Like, it's uh, it's caused a lot more reflection for me in that way. Right, you get some then, off season training to be good. Exactly, exactly. OTAs. Season. Right. And then uh Yeah, so it's and it's and it's also a different approach, like trying to help someone as opposed to help yourself. Oh, for sure. Like like I can just be as hard on myself as I want to be. Like I can I can call myself piece of shit as much as I need to, uh, to figure it out. But it's not quite the same when you're like trying to help someone else through their struggle. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> Yeah. I'm so bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just it's just hard because, you know, the things that you think work for you, you think should work for someone else. And it's just like and it's like you want to tell them like, yo, you should try this, but you don't know how to tell them to try that without trying coming across pretty harsh. Or what I find a lot of times it's like, you know, I explain how I feel, you know, and process it and like my experiences with it and I can just tell on like Haley's face, like just zero percent you know compatibility yeah. she's just like that is not at all what how it works for me or yeah anything helpful but thanks for sharing <laughs> and it's just like you know like hey like like this is the information that i always need to get through it and like if you can't if you don't tell me this information like, i don't know how i can help you but like that's not helpful <laughs> it's just it's it's very interesting interacting with another person's emotions in that way and mm-hmm. trying to in trying to figure out like what's the best way that what's the best way that I can help that will have the best like outcome overall. And like, how can I help you get through this? Or like, I don't know, like what are the tools that work for you? What works for me? Like, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a weird thing that again, no one's ever like, no one ever tells you how to handle this, Uh how to approach these situations. No. It's just kind of something you learn on the fly and hopefully you can be compassionate and kind enough that you don't come across like a complete dickhead yeah, or that the person it. you're with is, is kind enough as well to realize that you're not trying to be a dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about like a 21st century guy thing. Like, I don't know how many years back you'd have to go to find most yeah. men in a relationship not doing these things, but it's probably not that far. I wouldn't imagine it's many. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I, mean, I, and I, I mean, I think I don't. That's not. That's probably not giving enough credit to people that were actually in loving relationships. You know, no, probably like, not. All kinds probably of not. people probably actually dealt with these issues too, and and were probably genuinely good about it. They just probably they even had less of a clue of what they were doing. <laughs> but I do think, from what I hear, like a lot of people who are maybe middle aged now, like when I listen to them talk on podcasts or, you know, with people I know actually personally, it seems like a lot of them really never started thinking about these things until they're like 40 or 50 and like actually dealing with like, you know, the way they handle anxiety or 
their emotions and things like that. Well, I think I think there's so much to be said for like definitions and the changes over the over the years. Like things that we call like anxiety now are just like he's having a bad day. Sure. He's having a bad week. And like sure. depression is like he's having a bad month, you know? <laughs> like it's just we approach we approach these issues in such different ways now that I think why 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 would they have thought about it? Like they wouldn't have had, they didn't have, they don't have the context that we do currently to, and not and even the vocabulary to discuss them, mm-hmm. the, the things. And I guess like it kind of harkens, and this is the other thing. I mean, you can, if you look at studies, which are all kind of, they're kind of fake in this world. I, well, all sociological studies are kind of fake. They're all kind of fake. All the sociologists, like come at me. Right. Like you don't know how to gather data in a. And like the way you can't, it's really impossible. Yeah, data. It's not, I'm yeah. not saying that like you guys can't follow scientific methods and stuff, but it's kind of impossible for you. It's impossible for your field, but it's yeah. it's nice that they try. But still. also, and no, no, it's not nice they try because they try and say that it is real. Go okay, fuck well, yourself. Like, they shouldn't try to say it's real. They should still try to <laughs> study it and give us better frameworks. Yeah, to think I about agree. It. They should try and study it, but my god, they act like everything they say is is law or is uh yeah, but. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's interesting looking at like rates of anxiety and depression like through the years to now, and like we're at some of our highest rates as a society ever. And what does that mean? Does that mean that we're better at recognizing and diagnosing these issues, mm-hmm. or does that mean uh, people are more aware of it and people believe they're experiencing it, so now they are experiencing it? Sure. Or are we just like actually, like, is it an even comparison, and are we actually higher? Yeah. And that and that's the thing. Like, is the data even relevant? Mm-hmm. Right. Probably not. I mean, that's a pretty hard sell to say that it's comparable. You know, that yeah. you could compare like the idea of anxiety fifty years ago to the idea of anxiety today, and ask people if they're feeling and it. There, and then, then that's the next question: Have we broadened the umbrella? Have we broadened our net such that we're catching mm-hmm. so much more? You know, uh, and that's it. Always makes me. I just had this. I just ran this anecdote by my uncle the other day because we were talking about. Well, the story is is that one of the one of the women who worked in my lab with me. She was a she was a fellow undergrad in our class, John, and I believe her family's from Cambodia. And also, fuck me if that's wrong, because, wow, is that offensive, probably. But, (laughs) they're all the same anyways. (laughs) You can get real lacy down that path real quick. (laughs) Obviously, that's offensive and racist. That's the joke, kids. But, um, (laughs) so her family, I believe, for the sake of the story, at least, is from Cambodia. and. We were talking about microaggressions, and because she was like, uh, she was telling me all about like the various groups she's a part of at school, like Asian Pacific Islander groups, like like all kinds of stuff, like and how she's like she engages in like certain martial arts, like and she feels more connected with these groups and like things like that, you know, and and she's part of she was like some on the board of some like Asian group at school or like Cambodian group at school. And we were talking about like, cause she was minoring. I think, she, I don't remember what she majored in, but she was, she was, she had a, an Asian studies minor. Okay. 
and we were talking about microaggressions because obviously, it, believe it or not, junior year Brett was uh, not going to be necessarily overly sensitive. And not that I wasn't very sensitive, and I stand by everything I said, but, well, I think, but uh, I certainly uh, wasn't going to let things go as well. But uh, <laughs> we were talking about microaggressions, and I said, okay, uh, like, when did you, when did you first start experiencing these microaggressions? Like, when did you hear of microaggressions? Like, how did you know you were experiencing it? Like, what's going on? She goes, well, like, I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't aware that I was experiencing microaggressions until I came to college. And in my Asian studies classes, they explained what microaggressions were and how I was experiencing them. Mm -hmm. And it, if that doesn't make you stop and think about why you're experiencing something or what you're experiencing and how your experience is, then I don't even know what to say really. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. that sense to me just says you were trained to know that you're experiencing something. You were trained to see a certain interaction in a certain way, even though that might not, that might be completely different. Believe it or not, it's almost impossible to quantify every interaction like, or to, to have a response that's preset for every interaction and taking in the context of that interaction. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's and quite you didn't know you were experiencing a, a term that features aggression in it. I feel every time that I've been aggressed, I knew I was being aggressed. <laughs> <laughs> And I didn't need someone to point out to me that that's what was going on. Well, I mean, which scale was it on? It was it on the uh, milliscale or the micro scale or perhaps the nanoscale? <laughs> and that's where, yeah, and that's where she's, yes, 10 to the negative 6, a.k.a. micro for my uh, metric friends. One millionth <laughs> of an aggression. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and perhaps my perhaps my aggression sensors are not sensitive enough to... to uh, comprehend that but it was just it was just such an interesting conversation to me because it seemed it was so obvious to me that this person had been trained to feel this way and it was so far from her experience for her that it just kind of blew my mind at the time mm -hmm. and it still does <laughs> but especially at the time I was like Jesus man like you've been indoctrinated into believing this and you don't know and you don't, and you don't see that you have. And yeah. it's so obvious, even in the statement, the words, the the ways that you choose to describe this, it's obvious, and you and you don't see it. Right, you're using someone else's words until you know they make sense to you, and then now they're using. It. But it is it is like the conundrum, right? <laughs> because you know you won't know how to. It's it's useful to gain the words to to describe it, you know. Like in emotional intelligence, it's useful to be able to learn, you know, to better express your emotions, for example, with more granularity. And that's going to probably be better for your mental health. But like you're saying, at the same time, like also yeah, part okay. of it is get a better vocabulary on your own. <laughs> do something to well, fucking read a dictionary. Sure. Don't have other people tell you how she, how you should be I'm feeling. Just, right. But okay, I'm I'm quite sure that there are there are people out there where 
they need, you know, they need to under, they wouldn't naturally come to these ideas. And there is part of them that they go, okay, I actually did feel like something wrong happened, you know, maybe not on the level of like a microaggression, but like, you know, maybe which on the, the term itself, like, like, like we were making fun of a second ago is insane. It's just, it's almost like intentionally laughable, right? Like who would like, just with a straight face, choose that word. Yeah. And, and, and then, to, then make it seem like, then make it to be a significant thing that someone experiences. It really feels like a word game, but I, I think like maybe the comparison is like sexual assault or something. Cause I think it's a classic example of like actually gaining the vocabulary and some of the ideas to talk about it more has actually made people realize that there are some things that they didn't want people to do to them like legitimately like they weren't trained to realize this like they actually realized it within themselves because they got better frameworks to think about it but at the same time there's also a large you know grouping of things that now they are super sensitive to and are sort of fabricating or just like misidentifying within themselves that like yeah like now all of a sudden everything's a microaggression just because you have some words to think about it i have verbiage and someone other someone else's perhaps not even experience but idea ideology so i have i've been given verbiage and ideology now go out into the world child that's what happens like that that is what i firmly believe happened in that case I was given the terms and I was given someone else's ideology. And now I've been, and now I can experience life through that lens. Mm -hmm. Do you think it was a hundred percent, 100% because she had learned about it and now fabricated a hundred percent? Or do you think like there was a little bit of these microaggressions that had happened that probably bothered her a little bit at some point that I think she was actually identifying? I think she probably had shitty interactions for which I can't say why mm -hmm. and where in, in general you say, well, that was like I had a negative interaction with someone today. Right. Like we took, I had a negative interaction with someone today to I had a negative interaction based because of my race or my gender. Right. And that is where I see a problem. Mm-hmm. Not the not that I had a negative interaction with somebody. There's no problem that I had a negative interaction with somebody. There is a problem with you don't have the appropriate evidence to say this person had a problem with me because of my race or gender. You just said because they had a problem with me, it's because of my race or gender. Right. No. I and mean, I think that those and, and I think those are very serious claims. Yeah. No, so I, I don't think that I don't think so. That's why I have an issue with that. And I think a lot of those claims are made without the appropriate amount of evidence. Mm -hmm. and it's, so that's it's and that's one. where I will always have that problem. Because to to actually meet those to meet my evidentiary standard for those things to be like appropriately claimed, it's kind of significant. Yeah, because of the ramifications that come with those accusations. 
I mean, it's basically impossible because, you know, you have to, like, actually use, like, a racial slur against someone. Like, otherwise you'll never know. And, you know, there's other ways to be racist against someone without being explicit. Certainly. Certainly. But, like, those cases you'll never, you know, you can never truly identify it. You can never say, okay, for sure, because, you know, that's just not how data and sample and then, sizes work. And then that's where you can say, I think, I think this might have been this. Mm-hmm. Not, I was microaggressed on right. these levels due to this. Like, I had, I have a, like, something in my gut, like, makes me feel that it was this way. And then we can talk about it in a very reasonable manner. But until, if you don't actually have the evidence, those accusations are so strong. And people, like, and, and the idea of those accusations being strong has left people currently yeah definitely because we toss around racist sexist homophobic all encompassed by bigot uh quite easily yeah and i guess as my position has been maybe we just need to accept that these words mean something totally new now whereas i I don't have a problem with that but that's that's going to be something that needs to be (laughs) <laughs> that needs to be universally accepted and discussed as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like, that's the issue, for me at least. Like, I have no problem accepting that as long as we all agree to it. But until then, I would like to use the language as we have agreed to it. <laughs> I mean, does does racist still mean very much to you and have power? Because I don't think it does to me. Like, it doesn't. Works. It doesn't to you or me. It doesn't without context. Right, right. It does with context, but it's been ba- it gets bandied about so much that it's it's almost it's it's depressing that you need context. <laughs> like you should be able to say like this is racist. And if we talk about it, the context should always be that that was racist. <laughs> like the context should always point to that being racist because of how serious a term racism is but now we're at a point in our lives where and, and i'm a bigot for even questioning someone when they say something's racist huh but we're at a point in our lives where you need to question whether or not like like why this person was racist what was said what was done what I mean, evidence do we have let me one up your bigotry and say that if I just some random person says this person is racist or sexist, that means nothing. To I don't me. believe them. Yeah, uh, I don't. It means believe absolutely them. nothing to me. I would take nothing <laughs> from their statement. And I mean that's yeah, kind of disturbing because, like, yeah, I'm this, like I want to believe you if like it was a problem for you and like you were personally like hurt by this person being explicitly racist or sexist or like you know clearly like if if the context was there like you said then yeah no shit it's racist or sexist but like also. Like, that just doesn't mean anything to me anymore, and I just don't believe you, because I have no idea what that word means to you. Do you ever have... When's the last time you heard someone use the term, like, racist? In, like, in a... Like, when's the last time you heard someone say this was racist? I mean, not... Per, like, definitely not in real conversation with someone per, in person. Perhaps, mm. perhaps sexist is a term you've heard more frequently. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, and, and how do you and how did you respond last time you heard that used in a way? I'm sure I took it at 
a very small fraction of its like normal contextualized weight and probably how do you, okay so how do you how do you process it when like Haley says it oh there's definitely more trust there like okay i don't explicitly like i'm not gonna just she's not gonna be like oh this person's sexist and i'm not gonna get a pitchfork but like yeah definitely i mean the trust is there because obviously i know her and i know what that word means to her certainly and i guess i don't know i don't I don't, I, I trust almost no one else to use those words appropriately, mm-hmm. to be quite honest. And I think you'd be a fool too. Yeah, I, like, I, I, like, yeah, I, I would, I'd be much more inclined to listen. <laughs> well, I'd be, I would be, I'm not only inclined, obligated to listen, like when, if Sam and I were to have a conversation like that, but I trust almost no, and I would still like. I would likely thoroughly question her <laughs> because I do. I do find those things very serious, and I do believe in the dictionary definition of things still. And I don't believe in many people to use it appropriately, and especially when it is something like it's a very charged thing that one can experience. So if you and the very thought of you experiencing this makes it that much more serious to you, makes it that much more real to you, makes it like it builds on making it more and more that it was sexism. Like if you're a woman, you know, mm-hmm. like if you think you've experienced it, you typically can find evidence, at least in your own brain, that says like, like this is why I thought that like I wasn't I wasn't mistaken. This is correct because I felt this and I experienced it. When, when confirmation bias is a very real thing. Well, yeah, of course. So it's there's definitely the ignorance of how our own minds work in that instance. And yeah, it's tough because it is like the stupid subjective truth thing versus objective truth. And I mean, yeah. And that and that's the other thing. Like I also can only hear the story from one side. Yeah. And, and that's the other heard, massive grain of salt I always take. Even if you heard the story from, you know, multiple sides, or even if you're an observer, like, you know, your objectivity is still kind of <clears> shit. Like, no, absolutely. Absolutely. But without having any other angle, I think you do have to take an even larger grain of salt. So, uh-huh. yeah, it all comes back to me really not trusting anybody in these with these terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, like it's, someone and, on the internet, I just throw them out. I'm sure if someone approached oh, me in absolutely. real life, you know, I'd probably take the approach of like, you know, that's shitty. Like, let me, you know, let me hear about it. Not in like a, oh, I don't believe you. I need you need to meet these questions, you know, for me to. No, there's carry there's on. never a I don't believe you. Right. But there is in my brain just a lot of skepticism. Right. Off there's the certainly never the spoken word, but of course, yeah, like. And, I just don't quite think uh, – I don't think you're quite being fair or you're in the right mindset or anything. Like, I don't know. It's I. It's a very – it's a charge that for me is serious enough that it requires a significant amount of evidence that is awfully – that is often hard to meet for most. I think we're – think we're the oddballs on this one. Do you think most people are along for the ride <laughs> on microaggressions and – 
how everything. I don't can think be most people are long for the ride on the idea that the terminology. Well, I guess the people that are long for the ride on the terminology are certainly long for the ride in general. Yeah. But I don't think many people like the terms. I don't think many people like the terms, but I think many people. I don't think many people would hold the verbiage to as high a standard. Sure. I guess. Yeah. Like, like I think people probably just in general. Well, yeah. I mean, the people in my life don't, but I think. Well, <laughs> my family does. The rest of the people in my life don't necessarily take issue with the with the terminology. Hmm. But I mean, even people in my life that do take issue with the terminology, like, of course, I've had like conversations with mom where I was like, mom, like, you're being a little too ridiculous about this issue. Like, we're decrying this sexism. Like, are you sure? Like, so I think I think people I think it's it's almost impossible. Like, I kind of a human condition issue. That like, we want to find a reason that this interaction was negative. Like we want to find something other than like then it's that's not related to our behavior for mm -hmm. why this interaction was negative. Yeah, I, I suppose it, that all kind of comes back to a little bit to the anxiety and like some of the mental toughness stuff we were talking about before, where it is sort of it's hard like to just not know why something felt so shitty i mean it's it's a lot more comforting to have a reason and to be able to put that on someone else you know instead of having maybe like i know Haley, for example will often turn it inwardly when something goes wrong and said like you know i probably fucked up somehow and it can be like very comforting and very like vindicating and self-righteous to say uh this was because of sexism yeah, and I I'm very similar in the sense of I I will always put it on myself before I just attribute it to any ism. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's but part of that is because like I believe what I believe. Like for me, that's where that stems from. For me, that's because I think that there's a whole and it's not that's not to say that I won't call someone like a dumb bitch or like based on a negative interaction like this fucking like this fucking asshole driver you know what i mean like that's yeah. not to say like i won't immediately like but those are those are less serious things that's just right that's venting yeah yeah and i will absolutely vent with the best of them and <laughs> i feel like when i went to this dumb bitch it felt like i was talking about a woman i promise i wasn't like a men can get it too i just no, don't use like cocksucker very much anymore I, yeah i don't use cocksucker anymore because like that's you. a tough one yeah, yeah. Well. <laughs> Well, it's just like it's so lame because cocksucker is such a fun like insult. But it's, it's yeah, we don't want to. It's yeah, it's and, good. but like we don't want to. Yeah, we don't want to. Uh, like be using anything that could be considered a slur to our gay friends. Like I understand, but it is kind of sad. Mm. All the good, like like <laughs> I've often said it. All the good words are very offensive to small groups of people, even though I've almost never meant it in a way to those small groups of people. <laughs> It would be interesting to see how many of them would actually get offended by it, or like, think it actually the, applies to them. You know, Sean, the good ones don't. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest of them, send them to Palestine. <laughs> Ship them to the sun. But <laughs> send them to Palestine. Jesus, Sean, I don't want to be stoned. I'd rather have them burned to death. <laughs> how fucking civil of you. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, that's fucked up. All right. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think at least in my life, yeah, the best people, the people are, that are all around me don't take any terms very seriously. Like no one in my, in my, in my, like context is the most important thing always when it comes to language. Like, even if you misspeak, misspeak and use the wrong term, you can be okay given the context of the situations like jovial and lighthearted. Oh, of course. And people but, realize you used the wrong word. Yeah, and people are just like, oh, well, whatever. Yeah. At least reasonable people are. Not that many ones. people are given the benefit of the doubt. Well, yes, but many people are not. The, the benefit of the doubt is the thing that is uh, shrinking probably the fastest in society. Just wait till we but, give it up in our legal system. Yeah, no shit. Like Chelsea Handler during the Chauvin trial tweeting, uh, what's the point of what's <laughs> the point of having a trial when we all saw it on video? Yeah. God, you fucking <laughs> suck. You suck so much. <laughs> like I have much more offensive language to be to use in this scenario, but I will choose not to. But fuck you. Like a lot of people that's, are thinking that's it, so sure. horrific. It's crazy to me. I would rather live in a system where you must prove your uh, innocence rather than prove your guiltiness. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, you people suck. It's it's just such a stupid thing to say. It's probably more. You're either yeah. You're either not smart enough to consider. You're either not smart enough to consider those ramifications. Yeah, I think it's just, ignorance. or you're just a massive asshole. Yeah. And just those like, are the options. You're just dumb. You don't understand like how horrible that would end. <laughs> and that's, I mean, and here's a situation where someone gets the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I was talking with my professor and her daughter is 13 or 14. I think she's 14, but at the time she was 12 or 13 when we were having this conversation. And we were talking about the prison system. And the question was, would you rather have Every guilty person be in prison with some innocent people or no innocent people be in prison with some guilty people free. Right. Classic. And that's the classic motive. I'd rather have, you know, you know, rather have nine guilty people go free than one innocent person in jail or whatever the right quote is. And, and that's where, you know, you're, you're 12 or 13 or 14 and you don't necessarily care or you haven't necessarily seen the real world implications of innocent people in prison. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's disgusting and it should never happen. And it does happen and it should break your heart. Like that, that should absolutely break your heart. Like my, <laughs> a family in where the town where I was born and like my parents spent 25 years, like, a family, this woman was, before we understood SIDS a little more, like sudden infant death syndrome, mm-hmm. this woman was convicted of like negligence leading to an infant's death. And like she went to prison for 20 years, like her husband left her, her parent, like her children fell apart. Only to be exonerated later when our understanding of SIDS became more significant. That really fucking sucks. Holy shit. Yeah. 
And that's – and, like, like this dude – like, her husband, like, died while she was still in jail. Like, her ex-husband died while she was still in jail because he became an alcoholic. Oh, boy. Like, like these are the real ramifications of these things. You don't even get the final <laughs> episode of the season where you wrap it all up. Yeah, where it all comes back to it's okay, kind of. No, just it's horrible. Yeah. Fucking go deal with it. I don't I don't know if he became an alcoholic. I thought he did. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. But also, I haven't used enough like information for this to be a real thing. But like this dude died in like his mid-50s is the takeaway. Sure. And like that that's what can happen like in these situations and that's why like innocent people being put into put into prison needs to be the absolute last thing anyone should want but the con and the concept of guilty people going free like that sucks i get it but it's not that you know like it's not that whole family falling apart because of a wrongful conviction right and that I whole mean- community like shunning this family and these oh, kids gosh. and you know i guess the fear is that you know the guilty person goes free and kills again and yeah and that's and that's obviously worst case scenario right. or yeah and like someone gets raped like yeah obviously that's worst case scenario but probably not most likely by any means probably very unlikely i don't know what the numbers are on that one yeah i don't know what i don't know i mean and when it's crimes of like that nature they might commit again you know you know mm-hmm. it's not necessarily unlikely what is it recidivism is the term but i think that yeah. only means like after you come out of jail yeah no it does yeah the the tendency of a convicted criminal to reoffend so it's not really appropriate here but you know that's the concept the not the tendency of a non-convicted criminal to reoffend uh but i don't know it's just it's it's very interesting. Like, and that, and yeah, and I would love to tell this little girl that she's a fucking idiot, but I'm not going to say that to a little girl because she's wow. a little girl, yeah, you know, and she's a, she's a child that. who hasn't experienced life in this way yet. Right. I and obviously her mom feels opinion. the same way. <laughs> yeah. And obviously her, her mom feels the same way. And if she still feels that way at 21, I probably will tell her she's a fucking idiot, you know, because well, that's appropriate. <laughs> you should send her a, a letter that's timed for opening. Just in case. Yeah, I, she should be forced to serve like four years of indentured servitude for the Innocence oh. Project. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's a like Chelsea Handler, you fucking suck, and you can you should be launched into the sun, even though that'd be far too kind for you if that's what you actually believe. Uh, but the fourteen-year-old, yeah, you get a you get a free ride because it's not. You you shouldn't know better. No. Maybe you should, but also you haven't had the time to be thoughtful oh, about this yet. Right. And if it hasn't, like, if that's the first time you've thought about it, I don't really expect you to come up with a great answer. Yeah. I mean, I hope my kid would come up with the right answer, but, you know, <laughs> we have sometimes we have higher expectations for some. Otherwise, you just beat it, beat it into them. And then they know. Yeah, you're either going to get this right or dad's going to get the switch again. And he's been drinking. <laughs> But yeah, so I don't know. It's and that's why you know context is everything, man. Two two people that more or less said the same thing, but only one gets passed because context is significant. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, shouted from the rooftops. 
I I gladly do and would love for others to join me, but it's yeah, not it's a, not that popular anymore. You don't get a lot of echoed responses. No, no. <laughs> you do not quite get the the response you would hope for, but say la vie. And that's where I don't know. When you ask things like how do you like where do most people fall like fall on these issues? And I think you and I probably do align with most people. I think there's pro well even if it is just the sixty percent of the middle with twenty percent on either end, you know? Mm-hmm. Like that's still most people. It's just we got a lot of crazies. Yeah. I definitely. still think that we align with the majority in a lot of ways. And I think the crazy happens on a lot of like individually emotionally charged topics for people where, you know, they're probably in the 60% for most topics. And then there's, you know, the few that are. Yeah. Fringe things. Yeah. You know, resonate with them super strong where it's like, no, you know, on this racial thing, context doesn't matter. But, you know, if you pose the same question to them, you know, in a different you know, area of context. Yeah, yeah exactly. They'd probably. Okay, Sean. So here's, answer. here's the question for you. What is your most emotionally charged topic where you're the least likely to have your most logical response? Cause I think that's a fun question. I think it is a fun question. I, I've asked it to myself before and I've never come up with a great answer. I, Oh my God, my name's Sean. I've experienced emotions. I'm an engineer. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. The only emotion I experience is being it's right logic. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, honestly, maybe, maybe that is it. Like the need to be logical. But even that, I've, I think I've identified that one more re- recently and sort of stepped back on that. Where like does all your the time need it's to not be logical? It. Does your need to be logical ever tend to you not being logical? Ever lead to that? Uh, I'm sure it does. But I think it probably makes me more logical most of the time. Perhaps. I could imagine that, yeah, like trying to be too logical just clouds your judgment further. Sure. It certainly doesn't necessarily lead to uh, snap decisions, uh-huh. which which General Patton would consider you an idiot for. Sometimes I was. That's only relevant because that's only relevant because I got into a really funny conversation with my dad. We were just like sending each other World War Two quotes, <laughs> and General Patton was the man. <laughs> he was such a he was a psychopath. <laughs> it, there are like, a lot of those. Here are two quotes for you from from General George Patton. May God have mercy upon my enemies because I won't. And uh, a good plan violently executed right now is far better than a perfect plan executed next week. That's that one's like actually good advice. Probably, dude. He actually he actually said some. He's um. Well, he was a very violent man. He said some <laughs> very good things. Like, if everyone is thinking alike, someone isn't thinking. Yeah. Like, that's a very good sentiment. Just goes to show you that people can be smart and good and really terrible as well, just depending on what they're doing. Hey, 
he won a war, you know, <laughs> you won a war, you won a war for humanity, basically. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be too hard on you. Give him another medal. <laughs> your job isn't to die for your country. It's to make the other bastard die for his. It's <laughs> <laughs> fucking grim people. They used to have to like actually just like shoot people with a low velocity, large slugs of metal that would just like mostly miss and then the rest of the time cause massive infection and lead to drawn out horrible death. And you know what? That's the guy I want running my war effort. Those are just some that even that's just like a totally different human. Yeah, like, no, like he, he and I are not the same. No, don't don't even compare us because apples and oranges. But again, that's probably the guy I want in the war effort because he's not an idiot. He's just a little bit. He's just like five standard deviations closer to savage than I am. Yeah. Yes. Very specific specific skill set. <laughs> yeah. Thrives in wild interactions. Just like yeah, lives for nature. the fight. Yeah. Absolutely lives for the fight. Which, like I said, you know, sure. That's kind of the guy I want in a war for the world, as we called it. General Patton probably answers that he would beat every single animal. From the list in the fight. <laughs> he's, he's never seen a King Cobra. He could kill He's never him. backed down from an elephant. <laughs> he is. Make that elephant pray to God because he's not showing mercy. <laughs> exactly. Because I'm going to fucking murder this elephant with his own tusks and make him swallow his own blood probably first. <laughs> yeah. So that's, yeah. I mean, the man was a savage, clearly. But like I said, you know, probably the guy you do want at the helm. In those situations, <laughs> given if you if you can quote both, you know, may God have mercy on, on my enemies because I won't. And if everyone's thinking the same, someone isn't thinking like, yeah, sure. You're clearly thoughtful enough, but you're also a complete psychopath. So here's the keys. Drive the caddy home. Go America. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just let it rip. You know, for the yeah. best. Wasn't I mean the same thing with like was what was it Sherman who just went and burned the South oh, during gosh. the Civil War after the war like, yeah. was over because he didn't know <laughs> well you know we got it we got we did a little bit of that <laughs> well it's like they literally didn't hear about it till a couple of weeks after because they had to have someone run it but down. that shit that shit always happened back in the day like oh, like yeah. the the Battle of New Orleans should have happened the war was over right before the battle happened no but yeah, the battle sure. still happened <laughs> they had a strategic. Maneuver to pull off. Yeah, no yeah. I mean, maybe. Yeah, that Which, uh, it's just we're so funny people. that, like, like, you were so clearly close to losing the war that you didn't want to give anyone a heads up. Like, hey, guys, like, maybe this one we don't need to really do because it's not going well. Fuck it. Send all 100,000 men in. We'll see what happens. <laughs> it is what it is. It's the after party. Yeah, like, it's just that. Talk about something that is crazy that only happened 160 years ago. Like we, fought, well, I guess, well, the battle for New Orleans was uh, the the battle of the war in New Orleans was that 1814 or 1815. I have no idea. Those are good guesses to me. <laughs> well, it's it's definitely appropriate guesses. It's just it's it's just it did uh, would be upsetting if it's incorrect. I think Flip it was April coin. of 1814, but. 
<laughs> oh, fuck. It was January of 1850. Fuck me. Oh, but Right in between. Yeah, big old idiot. I am. But, uh, yeah, just kind of sad that, let's see. Oh, we didn't even, no, not even that many guys died. It's okay. Yeah, I mean, we only lost, one, Americans only lost 13 guys. Huh. Only had 30 wounded. With 19 missing and captured. The fucking Brits, on the other hand, 285 dead, 1,265 wounded, 484 captured. Oh, gosh. It took place 18 days after the signing of the treaty that ended the war. Two and a half weeks. Yeah, there's a little perspective for you. Today, like, all the soldiers would probably get, like, a text, like, hey, stop killing the... You're like, like guys, it's over. We won. We did it. Yeah, whatever country you recently invaded, yeah, stop killing their people. We're done. Yeah, leave. Leave. But yeah, so... <laughs> Two and a half weeks. That's so depressing. That's so crazy. Like, 2,100 people were dead, injured, or missing. Because we didn't have the ability to get someone on a fucking horse down there fast enough. <laughs> Nothing about I, it. I don't even know. I mean, I, I have no, I have no concept of how far one horse can ride in a day. It's not something. But wasn't that the? About. But wasn't that like the point of the original Pony Express was like you'd ride your pony this far, then you'd stop, then you'd ride, then you'd get on a new horse and ride yeah. the next one that far, yeah. then you'd stop. And I mean, I don't even know how far a man can ride in a day, because I would assume that's very physically taxing. Oh, definitely. I'm sure you'd just pass it along to the next guy. Yeah, but then at what point can you really... I'd be, it'd be scary. Like, do I trust this person to pass on military information? Like, you probably can't. But. Logistics we no longer have to worry about at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a completely foreign world. Like, it was only... 200 years ago that these were massive issues. Yeah, I mean, still, even during the fucking Civil War, it's not like it wasn't an issue. Oh, I'm sure it's almost just as much of an issue. Probably just as much of an issue. Maybe the horses were a little faster. Yeah. I mean, trains know, were dope, but also... Well, yeah. yeah, I suppose, you know, we did figure out something called an engine at some, time, some point in there. You know, steam engines were sick, but still, it's not like those train engines were zipping along. Alrighty, well, I gotta wrap this up here. <laughs> no worries. I feel, Sean, I feel like we didn't discuss racism in the penal system. It makes me <laughs> sad. We did not. We discussed the penal system a little bit, and we also discussed racism a little bit separately. And we laughed. But does that satisfy so you? Covered it. Okay, okay. If it works for you, it works for me. Because, I mean, you're, you're much better at driving the ship towards uh, waypoints. Versus, I just like to take fishing expeditions along the way. Like <laughs> yeah. this, this rock looks pretty cool. Shiny object. Let's yeah. talk. Right. Who cares if we end up, you know, anywhere near our starting point? We're just out for a ride. I sure don't. I clearly don't. But I appreciate that uh, you have a much stronger will in that regard than I do. Different skills. <laughs> Certainly, certainly, certainly. But I hope you and Haley have a wonderful evening and uh, enjoy, enjoy Memorial Day while remembering the reason that we have the day off. I will. And I am very excited to be visiting you extremely soon. And it is quite soon gonna... for all the listeners. 
We got we're within a week. I guess we'll do the podcast together, maybe with a guest. We'll see. Yeah, perhaps likely with a guest. We shall see. Uh, if we do have a guest, it's going to be one of our uh, best friends, Nick. He is uh, a roommate of ours for three years. Arguably four, depending on how you consider freshman year dorms. But uh, he's, uh, he's a really great dude. Uh, he's one of the most unique people I've ever I've had the pleasure of knowing. I don't know how you feel, Sean. I mean, I think that's all the contacts are listening to me. They can take that any way they'd like. <laughs> I think that's fair, but no, I I mean I love the dude to death. He's a he's a great he's a great guy. Quirky in ways that are silly and wonderful, occasionally scary, but <laughs> occasionally. But also a delight. But also and... it's like it's not it's not scary towards anyone else. It's like, oh Jesus, man, this is getting a little intense. Uh, <laughs> And it only happens when you're playing beer pong. So it's not like it was ever a scary situation. It's like, oh, man. but Right. And you just got to get the fuzzy handcuffs out and restrain him. <laughs> but regardless, he's uh, he, I guess for, for a little more context, he is much, much smarter than me. I can't speak for Sean, but me as far as statistics and uh, cybersecurity, things of that nature are concerned. So he is an interesting man that I think will provide our podcast with a lot of fun insight. Yeah, we'll be able to go a little different direction maybe, and I guess we'll see how much planning and how many questions we come up with beforehand. For sure, for sure. But I uh, I think it, I'm looking forward to it, and I can't imagine it not going well. So, yeah, so look forward to it. If not next week, a very an interview very soon on the horizon, or not an interview, but like, you know, a shared podcast for at least a little while with one of our dear friends, Nick. Awesome. Very exciting. Right. And have a good rest That's of your weekend. That's talking shop. <laughs> you as well, Sean. You have a, uh, a wonderful Memorial Day. Uh, and I can't wait to see you guys Friday. Alrighty. Love you, Brett. Yeah, love you too, buddy. Have a nice night. Alrighty. Bye. Bye.